War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401 439-6028 439-6028 Yankee Tree Service YankeeTreeService.com What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming Experts based right in Lincoln Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today 439-6028 439-6028 Whether it's tree removal stump grinding, tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It is Thursday, and it's obviously a uh, very dramatic day on this Thursday, October 6th. Uh, several things. I actually want to start off that um, some of you may remember that back when I uh, first was really getting acclimated down the dial uh whjj that uh one of the still highlights of my career was appearing on the imus in the morning program and um it really started and kicked in during the uh, buddy cnc plunderdome time where i would come up with uh, comedic material that i would write and then uh, be on the program and they loved it and i loved the fact that they loved it and uh and it was terrific and at the time he was also on msnbc so you'd get both the radio and then also television and it was incredible and the person that i used to deal with uh who used to book me was the producer of the i was in the program uh i miss the morning program bernard mcgurk bernie and uh it is it is tragic i mean i i knew that he had had i saw the owner of the station uh wabc in june and I, he told me that he was receiving treatment at uh, Sloan Kettering, uh, fantastic hospital, uh, cancer hospital in the New York area. But I, I didn't know uh, just how bad it was. And then last week I was in New York, and when I went to put on the station in the morning, um, it, he was not on. It was just uh, Sid Rosenberg was on. And we're just learning uh that he passed away last night so bernard mcgurk bernie who uh was hilarious on the imus in the morning program especially his um cardinal o'connor the cardinal he did voices he would do the limericks he was a uh, fantastic it just added to that element and i'll tell you at in the in the late 90s to then you know the first part up the 2000s uh 2000 to then it, it all came to an end in uh in 2007 when uh when i miss uh, was let go because the whole rutgers thing but i mean that would that show was happening and when they came to providence uh they used to do um they'd go st patrick's day they would do in boston they run in boston it was a talk station there 96.9 g severin and and I Miss the Morning was did huge on 96.9 in Boston. And it used to be uh, Kiss Me on I Miss. They would do a remote. I think they did it at the Four Seasons Hotel in Boston. Or it's somewhere up around there. But then uh, when he came to Providence during Plunderdome, I mean, it was just, it was huge. And it was at the Biltmore and uh, in the ballroom up top. And I was selected 
to be on. I was on that day. Mike Stanton was on that day. And then Cianci was on that day and was huge. And I delivered, and I still have video of that I have on YouTube I'll share. of. It was just um, really, really uh, re remarkable. And uh, But anyhow, he was a, a funny, funny guy. And then he was the one that would book me. I was on IMS over 15 times, which was uh, incredible in, in itself. And then even after that, I ran into Bernie in New York, and then they had me on a couple times when um, during the Whitey Bulger saga. They just wanted someone local. So, But Bernard McGurk, Bernie, prostate cancer at age 64. Prostate cancer at age 64. And Curtis Sliwa said, you know, he was telling him, you better get tested. He had some uh, symptoms of it. So anyhow, but that is, I am just stunned by that. That's 64 years old. And um, and he's the co-host. They have a morning program in New York. Bernie and Sid with um, Sid Rosenberg. Bernard McGurk has uh, passed away. Now, folks, obviously, the big local news, and it came down early this morning, and that is this business. The mayor, I don't have to tell you, the mayor is out. When Socket Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt is gone. So, and it took till two nights and 1.30 in the morning, I, I am waiting to see, and I, I fully identify what a huge story this is. So it's, you know, it's early October, and there'll be a temporary mayor, and then she's on the ballot. So it, the whole thing's a little odd. But let me play uh, Channel 12. They stayed, and they have a, a piece on it. has been removed as mayor. So the city council voting 3-2 to two to remove her from office. This happening at 1.30 this morning. Councilman Kanoya. Yes. Councilwoman Gonzalez. No. Councilman Gillette. Yes. Councilman Susie. No. Vice President Ward. Disgustingly, I have to vote yes. Hmm. That vote coming after a second night of hearings into complaints against Baldelli Hunt. And this morning, we have some pretty fiery reaction from the former mayor and also the woman making the complaint. 12 News reporter Kate Walsh has that from our breaking news center this morning. Kate. Yeah, Lisa Baldelli Hunt not stepping down lightly and making it very vocal what she plans to do. First, she's running for re-election unopposed in just a matter of weeks on Election Day, November 8th. But this was all the scene early this morning inside Woonsocket City Hall. Take a look behind the former mayor there. You can see during our early morning interview today with Baldelli Hunt, City Council President Dan Gendron being sworn in behind her wow. as acting mayor. Gendron did not vote and neither did Denise Sierra, who is the city councilwoman that submitted complaints to prompt this vote in the first place. The complaints say Baldelli Hunt didn't follow through with ordinances voted on by the city council. This has been orchestrated. They have been working on this for years, and I will be working the streets of Woonsocket to let the people know that they need to remove the obstructionists who are holding back projects out of spite. And they, listen, they're good spinners. They are masters at this. And then they kneel down in the front pew at church as if they're holier than thou. Strong words there. And Sierra did send us a statement early this morning saying, quote, if you fail as a leader to uphold what you swore to do, then you are accountable. If not, why bother having rules and laws at all? We might as well call ourselves a dictatorship. Process matters. This also all comes as the Wound Socket uh, Police Union has wrote a written a letter to the attorney general for the state asking for a third-party investigation into Baldelli Hunt and her use uh, of power and money while in office here. And, you know, on Tuesday, right before all of these marathon hearings started, I spoke with Governor Dan McKee. He's one of many leaders in Rhode Island who support Baldelli Hunt through and through, and you'll hear more about that in the next hour. In the Breaking News Center, I'm Kate Walsh, 12 News. You know, it is pretty remarkable, but at the same time, I'll say this, there are two branches of government. And, you know, part of this, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, I was there the night before, and, and this is stunning to hear. And the, the mayor, obviously, you know, you can tell is not surprisingly here, very upset about this. But it's it's part of functioning government. And... You know, I think, you know, when you heard um, Councilman Ward there at the end saying disgustingly, but yes, I got the impression that, that some of the people felt that they had, 
it was like they were put in in uh, no other position other than to go along with it that they didn't want to go along with it but went along with it so it is unusual it's odd it's it's uh it's obviously a, a a huge story folks and stay tuned i mean the radio station has been dominating the coverage of it during the course of the hearing they even mentioned um you know an interview that she did on wnri that was even offered in as uh some of the, the testimony and so but it, it is um it's pretty it's pretty dramatic the, the one element of this that I, I i think that can't be ignored is what this does to the general the general public you have the people that voted for the mayor the mayor's running unopposed and the mayor will be returning to office granted a little weakened and bruised and she's obviously very upset but just the the process of this can't be ignored if if people feel gee with all the problems that we have right high cost of inflation high cost of housing state seems to be spiraling out of control and this just seems to be a lot of political you know shenanigans almost so to speak and although I, I i understand you know i see both sides of it uh there are two branches of government here and and you have to fulfill that but i think in the long haul it it does make the voters start to feel you know like is there is there anything more constructive they could be doing all right we're going to talk with our legal analyst attorney tim dodd also an update on the border and it's a big day as the poll numbers are coming out regarding both the uh, the race for governor and and uh, the direction of the state and also that congressional district two race i'll also mention this folks it's you know in massachusetts they're going to vote on driver's license for illegals to date as of today republican ashley kalis has not mentioned that as an issue it was certainly not an issue in the primary for dan mckay i think it's a big issue outside of providence i'd be even willing to say if that went on the ballot in rhode island if rhode islanders got a chance to vote do you think illegals should be given a driver's license i'm telling you it loses 80 20 it's not even close that is not 60 40 and it's not even 70 30 i'm telling you it's an 80 20 my question is when does ashley kalis identify this and start to use this if she thinks she doesn't want to do it because she's going to alienate province Pasak, and central falls you're, you're leaving a big issue in the suburbs off the table that's my thought all right much more ahead on the john DePietro show the next time you have an emergency head straight to atmed urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 in johnston or east greenwich 5750 post road atmed urgent care urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families specializing in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service atmed urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Time for our legal segment. Join me right now. He is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He's our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd like to start off just, uh, it's incredible these days how much attention the Supreme Court uh, has gotten and continues to get. And, uh, and it's, it's a big deal that they are now, they are back after the summer. And there's an awful lot of focus and an attention on exactly uh, what the Supreme Court will be focusing on. 
Well, yes, the media likes to talk about, oh, the public's uh, support for the Supreme Court is down, it's down, it's down. Well, if they pound that message home every day, then, you know, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. But the Supreme Court will continue to soldier on with difficult cases. All they get is the most difficult cases. There's nothing easy that gets up to the Supreme Court. Um, The cases they get are wildly contentious um, and very difficult. And there's, you know, certainly political interest on both sides of any case that they get. Um, The Supreme Court is um, welcoming a new member, um, Justice Katenji Brown Jackson, who will likely be a reliable liberal vote on the court, along with Justices Kagan and Sotomayor. Um, The media likes to say it's a very conservative 6-3 court. I see it more of a 5-4 court because Chief Justice Roberts is almost like the swing vote. You never quite know what he's going to do. Um, Amongst the cases that I think are very interesting Uh, One of the cases that the Supreme Court will be taking up early is whether or not uh, racial preferences or racial considerations um, can still be utilized um, by colleges in determining which applicants are accepted. Basically, will affirmative action uh, be either gutted or severely limited? And one would think, oh, this is, you know, talking about minorities who are getting into schools potentially with um, less uh, spectacular uh, academic credentials. But the case that's going to be considered early on, it's a case that Asian students or Asian applicants uh, have sued Harvard University, amongst others, uh, saying that, wait a minute, you're discriminated against us. We, many... Asian applicants are clearly um, worthy of acceptance. And Harvard's position, if I can put it in general terms, we have too many Asians or there's too many good Asian um, applicants. We've got to diversify our um, student body. So sorry, even though you're some of the best applicants, some of you won't make the cut so we can fill other spots with maybe less deserving applicants, but applicants who serve our interests in a diversified student body. What will the Supreme Court do with that? Um, It's an interesting case because it's not the normal racial preference um, subject that we think about or hear about quite a lot. This is a racial group or an ethnic group, whatever you'd like to call it, who is... um, too good and that the applicants are too good and they've got to be um, weeded out so that lesser folks can be accepted in terms of academic qualifications, let's say lesser only in terms of their um, application credentials, I should say. What will they do with that? Who knows? Um, There's another interesting case that's coming up about the Clean Water Act and how far the government can extend its authority. Um, you know, certainly the government has an interest in um, the quality of water in uh, reservoirs, aquifers, streams, etc. But California is attempting to expand the ability of the uh, federal government to regulate. Um, lands and activities well away from an actual water source. And that case was uh, discussed at the Supreme Court. And the justices seem to have a real problem with what the government was attempting to do. Now, certainly, we all have an interest in clean water, and the Clean Water Act is um, ostensibly for that purpose. But it really becomes an issue of um, governmental overreach. And has the federal government been overreaching in its attempts to police, you know, areas under its jurisdiction and go too far? 
there's other cases that'll be coming up. Um, I think there'll be refinements on certain um, gun cases. The Supreme Court recently um, determined that the Trump era uh, bump stock um, legislation or executive order um, was unconstitutional and flipped what the Trump administration had done regarding bump stock um, weapons. Uh, there's going to be a multitude of cases that will create um, a lot of press coverage, a lot of dissension, a lot of protests, just like every other year. There's nothing on the, the court's docket like the, um, the abortion case, which you know, roiled the nation last year. But um, they've got a very aggressive agenda. And it's interesting that uh, Justice uh, Katenji Brown-Jackson um, Many times a new justice will kind of take it all in and be a little bit more circumspect, but she jumped right in with asking questions, making her points, being very um, activist, if you will, from the bench, which I think is um, a, a sign of things to come, that she is not going to this um, stand by. She's going to be a very vocal um, uh, justice to support her uh, point of view on any case that comes before her. And I think whatever she has to say um, will be treated very favorably and she'll get a lot of attention in the press. Tim Dodd, as much as um, sometimes Mitch McConnell gets criticized, you know, there's a big dust up, some of the comments made from former President Trump towards Mitch McConnell. Uh, in the end, McConnell you know, know, knew how to maneuver to get people onto the court, knew that that was the, the final say. And as much as people may complain, this talk about, you know, they want to expand the court and everything else. Right now, I mean, the, that, was, that was no small feat of Mitch McConnell knowing what it took to get certain people approved and onto the Supreme Court. Well, yes, Donald Trump, uh, former President Trump, is getting a lot of, um, I think, negative press coverage, and he deserves the negative press coverage <clears throat> for attacks that he makes against uh, Mitch McConnell and Mitch McConnell's wife, which I don't even know why President Trump is going there. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. But as far as getting justices on the Supreme Court, Mitch McConnell is a shrewd, crafty inside player. He's yeah. been in Washington forever. He knows the ropes. He knows what to do. And when he's carrying your water as president, he's the greatest because he yeah. knows how to get it done. And when he's not doing exactly what you would like him to be doing, then um, presidents such as President Trump um, lash out against him. Mitch McConnell, you're right, John, is almost exclusively responsible for, number one, keeping Merritt Garland off the Supreme Court, which I think history has shown was a great move um, in terms of the qualifications of Merritt Garland and how he may have proceeded had he made it to the Supreme Court. Um, Mitch McConnell is really almost exclusively responsible for getting uh, President Trump's three picks onto the court. Um, against lots of opposition, yeah. a hostile press, yeah. um, negative media coverage, but he got the job done. Um, and if, if you like those three picks that Trump got on the court, then that is um, uh, Mitch McConnell's positive legacy. If you're a person who is not uh, enamored of those three choices, then obviously you would assign the blame to Mitch McConnell, but he knows how to get things done. I mean, and he will continue to do so, whether the public likes what he's doing or not. He's the master maneuver. He knows the rules. He is the best inside player um, for, let's say, a more conservative point of view in the Senate. There's a reason that he's, you know, the minority leader in the Senate. And if they should flip the Senate, he'll be the majority leader because yeah. he's a crafty, shrewd, longtime political insider. He knows how to get it done.
Yeah, much, much more effective than some of the other people the president has in his orbit. Uh, put it yes. that way. Folks, quick, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe. Trusted oil delivery. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. You can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer of rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, it's all still early, but already uh, talk that Tom Brady and his wife, Giselle Bungeon, that uh, apparently word went out that they have both, they're hiring uh, divorce attorneys. Now, it doesn't automatically mean they're going to go down that road, but... This is something that people hear about each day. They know people have gone through it. Uh, but this is this is a, a different level when you have two people of immense wealth, immense means in there. Their earning days are not behind them. So I'm just curious your thoughts on th- this would be end up being uh, a pretty high profile and very expensive divorce proceedings if things go forward. It could be. Um, one wonders if... Um... Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen had a prenuptial agreement. Hmm. I mean, before they got married, you know, she was a supermodel. And I yeah. think when they got married, she was a bigger earner than he was. Um, however, he was a NFL quarterback and had, you know, significant earning power as well. I would have thought either or both of them would have been interested in a prenuptial agreement. And if they had an ironclad one in place, whether Giselle wanted it at the time or Tom wanted it at the time, that would take care of a significant amount of their financial issues. Things that the prenup would not necessarily cover. We don't know if one exists or what language is in it, but after acquired property subsequent to the marriage, might be the subject of equitable distribution. So like real estate that they've acquired, you know, certainly Tom Brady has made lots of post marriage money. Yeah. More so than she has because she sort of put her career on hold to be a mom and to, you know, be home and raise the the kids that they have together. Plus um, when Tom's got uh, his child with, um, Bridget Moynihan, Giselle's right. sort of involved in that too. Um, you're right. This The financial stakes are huge. Tom Brady has a significant amount of future earning years. When he's done playing um, football, he'll be an analyst for Fox News. He'll be making, I don't know, $30, 40 $50 million a year. Uh, she can go back to, I mean, can she go back to modeling? I mean, she's still going to be probably the primary caregiver of the kids, although certainly she can hire help and do whatever she wants. I'm sure she could still make lots of money in the modeling world. Um, in terms of the children, you know, there's many times a fight over who's going to get custody of the kids. I think it's a no brainer that she would get custody of the kids. I mean, Tom Brady's running around playing football and training for football and doing all of his football stuff. Um, I don't, I would presume I have no knowledge, but I would presume he's maybe not the most daily hands-on parent. I'm sure when he's with his kids, he enjoys it, but she's putting in lots of time him i would say not so much so she would get custody it would be joint custody she'd have physical placement um 
There's issues of alimony, this issue of distribution of post-marital property. Um, it's huge stakes, huge money, and it will get huge press coverage. I think it's not a legal topic, but I'm somewhat amused and somewhat shaking my head that the media is not so much concerned about the kids or the distribution of assets or liabilities, but taking odds on who's uh, Giselle going to start dating and who's yeah. Tom Brady going to start dating. That's become a very big story. And I guess that's a sign of the times, not the divorce, not the money, but who will Tom be out there dating and who's Giselle going to be out there dating? I guess uh, Pete Davidson's at the top of the list. I hear he's moving to um, uh, Miami as we speak. Tim Dodds, how much could they keep uh, under seal and under, under wraps uh, as far as like how much of what happens needs to be public and then how much could could be hidden away? Because that would be a very valuable document for, you know, whether it's TMZ or some other type of news outlet. That's that's the part that people would really like to get their hands on. Yes, I, I'm not specifically familiar with um the laws in Florida, but I'm sure a lot of that could be kept under wrap uh, through a um, marital settlement agreement, which is basically a contract which has to be approved by a court. But I'm sure the court could place that document under seal. Um, certainly a document under seal can, if you recall when Bob Kraft had his problems, right. although the court said this is all under seal, Kraft was very concerned that, you know, somebody for enough money might take a document out of a court file and yep. um, surreptitiously get it out there to the public. I am sure that between uh, Brady and Giselle Bunchen, that their lawyers, with the assistance of the court, will keep all of this out of the public um, domain. They both have a vested interest in not having, especially their financial um, arrangements or right. disposition of assets out there in the public. That would be crazy. And I don't, I don't think this is going to be like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie trashing each other in public. I don't see it going that way. Yeah. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I did want to give a uh, an update with President Trump uh, his he wanted to get his case, the Ray DeMar Largo, the Supreme Court didn't want to touch it. There's been a lot of back and forth and updates as far as the special master and, and the raid now. It's 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 seemingly, you know, a lot of the news of it's in the background. But each week I do get requests from people to get your thoughts, the latest on President Trump and some of his uh, legal challenges. Well, separate and apart from the fact that this has all been disastrous for President Trump, yeah. he, he has made a reasonable argument in court um, regarding the purview of the special master. Right now, the special master is not able to look at documents which are marked, you know, top secret or secret. So the Justice Department says to the judge who's overseeing this matter, we've looked at this stuff and this is all you know, classified top secret material which should not be in the possession of Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Trump says not so fast. Um, don't we have a special master to look at this stuff? The special master might come up with a different conclusion. Justice Department says, well, the special master can't look at that because it's top secret and it's classified and that person should not be looking at this stuff. Judge, this take our word for it, that it's top secret or classified and that Trump shouldn't have had it. I think President Trump has a fair point to the court to say, wait a minute, I, I'm not taking the Justice Department's word that they looked at this stuff. They're telling the court that this is top secret or classified material. Shouldn't we have an independent arbiter look at it and make an independent determination if the, if the special master agrees with the conclusion of the Justice Department? I, I think that's a legitimate concern uh, that the Trump team has. Otherwise, why have the special master? What's he, he can only look at the Christmas cards and you right. know the newspaper clippings. He can't look at the good stuff. He's got to be able to look at the good stuff. And if he can't look at the good stuff, he's worthless. Yeah. And that would defeat the whole purpose of having the special master in the first place. So I think that 
President Trump could get a court to agree with him on that proposition. Um, but it doesn't really change the overall uh, presumed outcome of this, which none of it's going to be favorable or create good press or a good legal outcome for Donald Trump, in my view. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 we're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, once again, Alex Jones uh, has found himself in a courtroom. This time, he, he doesn't seem to be going to the mat uh, quite as much. But again, it is the Sandy Hook parents. I think in the beginning, there was a little more, um, you know, it was a little more outspoken. But at, at this point, uh, I'm not saying he, he's given up, but I, I think he can, you know, get the sense of, of where this is going. But this is... Again, more legal problems for Alex Jones and InfoWars. Yes, this trial is just a trial on damages because Alex Jones has already been defaulted. He was defaulted by the court because he would never properly comply with um, discovery requests. If one side asks for documents and the judge determines like the documents or the information is legitimate, and someone like Alex Jones continues to refuse to produce the requested information, ultimately the court can say, well, you're defaulted, meaning you can't really assert a defense. So it's just a question of damages. So the plaintiffs in this case, like in the Texas case, has been a series of parents going on the stand to say how these comments and um, continued um, false narrative that Alex Jones put forth that this was all a media hoax and that these kids didn't die and that the parents are all actors, um, you know, and, and the hideous, dreadful, disturbing consequences that these families have suffered because of Alex Jones comments. I mean, one of the parents was up there saying that they go to visit their child's grave and it's been, um, the grave gets damaged. People urinate on it. People have threatened to dig up the bo- dig up the grave to see if there's really a body in there. And it's horrible, um, you know, psychologically damaging. I mean, I, I can't imagine a family having to go through that after their uh, child is murdered. Um, Alex Jones could have asserted a defense as to the issue of money damages only. He couldn't have put on a defense saying. Um, I didn't say this, I didn't do this, or calling his own witnesses on the issue of liability. He could have called witnesses on the issue of damages. He chose not to call any witnesses. He didn't take the stand uh, in his defense. He didn't bring up anyone else, experts or otherwise, in his defense. So the case is essentially over. The jury will be instructed, and they will uh, determine what the monetary damages are. So he's going to get whacked for millions and millions of dollars on this case, too. Um, Then he's got another trial yet to go in Texas. I believe there was one in Texas, one in Connecticut, and there's one more in Texas. So if this jury does anything like the jury did in um, Texas, you know, I think that when it was all said and done was about a $50 million verdict in Texas. I would expect something similar to occur. Uh, here in Connecticut, um, 
once you get the the cumulative effect of these huge jury awards, I think that Alex Jones will um, be doomed financially. And I think that's what the, all these parents want. I don't think they ever expect to see a lot of money out of this, but they want to um, crush Alex Jones and, you know, make it so that he never comes back to do any damage to any other family or make any other disparaging comments. They just want to ruin him, just like he's ruined them. And yeah. I think that they're going to get a huge financial um, verdict. The collectability of it will be another topic. And, and Tip Don, um, Channel 12 came out with this story. This is, I, I'm not sure about the legal, legal culpability here, but it has to do with Congressman Jim Langevin. There's a lot of talk right now about they want to ban members of Congress uh, from from stock trading. And just because of the nature of the job, a lot of times these hearings, they get access to privy information. And so Senator Reid doesn't engage in it. Um, Congressman Cicilline doesn't engage in it. Senator Whitehouse, they call him into question, but his trust is handled. What's what's odd and interesting about Congressman Lynchman is he's basically handling himself in huge volumes. And I, I'm just wondering, you know, we, there's a lot we don't know. And right now, other than, you know, the, looking at banning it, because it, it would seem that it could be a potential uh, conflict of interest. But I, I'm just curious. I mean, especially he, he sits on a committee that has to do with cybersecurity. And there's certainly some crossover of, of stocks that could certainly within reason that he might get wind of, of, of certain things. I'm just curious from a legal standpoint, any, any thoughts on this story about Congressman Landry and his trading with the stock market? This is a very difficult topic because yeah. you've got from the, there's a legal side of it. There's a political side. I don't, won't spend time on the political side, but you've got like Seth Magaziner, running ads all the time saying that if I get to Congress, I want to make it so that um, elected Congress people cannot uh, buy and sell stocks. Um, so that sounds real good. And Jim Langevin has said that this shouldn't be happening, although he does it. And Sheldon Whitehouse seems to go right up to the line about what is appropriate to do or not do with your own um, stock portfolio. Nancy Pelosi has said over and over, we're citizens just like anybody else. Why should we not be able to buy and sell stock? What is it about us that we should not be able to engage in the same sort of transactions that any other American can engage in? And she does make a fair point. The, the contrary position would be well, Congress people have the ability to get inside information and trade on it. So I think that Nancy Pelosi would say, well, if and when you determine that a person who's trading stocks and is a member of Congress is using insider information to know when to buy and when to sell, then that person should be brought up on charges. But in, unless and until that happens, why should not a congressperson be able to buy and sell stock? I don't see that there's really any appetite. If you asked all of the members of Congress to vote, if they would vote themselves out of the ability to buy and sell stock in an election cycle, it sounds good. You know, Seth Magaziner's out there thumping his chest. Oh, I think this should all be stopped. Um, if if he were to get to Congress, I, I think he would not be pursuing that piece of legislation very aggressively once he would get in, if that would be how things shake out in November. Um, personally, I mean, I think it um, raises great questions what Jim Langevin's doing. I think it raises great questions what Sheldon Whitehouse is doing in terms of um, transactions. White House says he's not engaged in it. His brokers take care of when to buy, when to sell. He doesn't offer any information. Um, I guess we can believe that or not believe that uh, in, unless and until more facts come out. Langevin seems to be trading like crazy. Um, and that's okay unless 
it's determined that he's making these trades in and out based upon information that he learns yeah. as a congressperson that we don't get to know as right. ordinary citizens. But you have to prove it. And until you can prove that he is abusing his, his, the information he received, you know, I, from a legal perspective, I think it would be hard to say congressmen can't buy and sell stocks. Um, I, it's, from a legal perspective, it kind of rubs me the wrong way to think that somebody should be precluded from right. doing something unless and until it's shown that they're abusing their position. But Tim Dodd, it is just the irony of his, uh, you know, he endorsed Seth Magazine. Our magazine is now going for the job. And one of the things he's talking about is they should be banning it. And and as we said, I want people to understand, I think what even caught Channel 12 a little off guard is this isn't, you know, some minor maneuvers. He's, you know, when, when you're when you're investing over one million in the stock market, that's that's pretty healthy. That's that's pretty aggressive pretty aggressive trading that he's involved in, let alone that he's going to be out of office. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with John. It's extremely questionable. Yeah. Now, the real question is, you know, within Congress, I mean, this could be investigated by the ethics committee, but that's a joke. Um, you'd have to have an SEC investigation or you'd have to find that the stocks that let's say Langevin is trading in and out of are stocks that he has learned some inside information from what he gets at hearings or from information provided to his committee, unless and until you have that information, it's, it's, um, it, it, it can raise questions, but just because it raises questions doesn't mean he should be precluded from doing it. And I'm sure what I'm saying isn't popular with your listeners, but there's we have rights and those rights shouldn't be interfered with unless and until it's shown that you're doing something either unethical or criminal. Yeah. It's just at the very least, it's shouldn't be lost on people. He's not running for reelection. So if you're going to kind of pull anything that might be, it's not something he's going to have to face on a debate stage or call into question or anything like that since he's he's leaving folks again he is our legal expert it's attorney tim dot tim great job as always and we'll talk to you again thanks john take care this is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home residential commercial seal coating and patios make it letter j j perry paving they provide high quality fair pricing exceptional service call them today for a free estimate 401 732 1730 the next couple of months get your driveway prepared for winter time call j perry paving today for a free quote 401-732-1730 licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients needs no matter how big or how small whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed call j perry paving today affordable smooth safe to drive on aesthetically appealing remember even asphalt can be recycled reused call them for a free quote letter j j perry paving look for them on facebook and call 401-732-1730 remember no one's better to veterans than j perry paving call them today 401-732-1730 high quality fair pricing exceptional service free estimate J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Folks, the numbers at the border, people that are coming through, getting through, then escaping the United States, it's, it's really overwhelming. Joining us right now, he is Rapid Response Director for the GOP. It's our friend Tommy Pigeot. Tommy, what's the new term that is being used for those that uh, get into the country and just escape? The term is gotaways. Gotaways. Um, yes, that, that just sort of signifies, you know, people that, the numbers that we have, by the way, are the ones that we know about. So it's people that are actually recorded having crossed the border and escaped, whether a Border Patrol person sees them or they're caught on camera. Uh, yeah, so th those are referred to as gotaways. And that number is actually a conservative estimate, the 900,000 is that number that have escaped to this country. That's a conservative estimate because those are just the ones that we know about, which is why this is so worrying. I like those gutaways. Kind of like, well, there's, you have stowaways, those that get onto, you know, a ship or a plane or whatever it may be. So these are gutaways. Now, Tommy, 900,000, what's the time frame on that? 900,000 gutaways have escaped into this country just since Joe Biden took office. Wow. 900,000. Uh, and for context, that's larger than the population of San Francisco. 
Yes. 900,000. I mean, wow. it's, it's astonishing. And experts, like I, I, I just mentioned, say that that could actually be two or three times higher because this is just the gotaways we know about, the ones caught on camera, the ones that Border Patrol sees crossing the border. It doesn't include gotaways that cross the border unrecorded. And let me give you an example of how that happened. So in Del Rio, if you remember last year or a few months ago, uh, Del Rio had that incident where a huge number of illegal immigrants were under that bridge and required huge manpower to process those people uh, at the border. While those people were at the border, 247 miles of the border additional was left unpatrolled. 247 miles. We have no idea who crossed the border over that time period within those 247 miles. And it's concerning because we know for a fact, according to the Border Patrol, that cartels are dictating where illegal immigrants cross and are apprehended in order to tie the hands of Border Patrol so they can cross the border uh, and escape into this country without being detected. So that 900,000 number that we know about could really be much higher. I mean, it just shows the border is completely wide open. And Tommy, again, um, it's it's such a difference. What what are some of the the factors you think are contributing to this? One thing I'll say is President Trump, at the very least, um, he he was a deterrent. You know, there was an attitude that they would not be welcomed here, that it was not open, that you'd get deported. That obviously has shifted. What are the factors do you think, or do we believe, have contributed to this? Well, that factor you just mentioned, it, it, it is a fact, and it is a factor because that's what migrants are telling, Border Patrol are telling news agencies that right now they came because Joe Biden's president, because of Joe Biden's border policies. No one's hiding it at the border. They're literally saying that when they arrive at the border, they're thanking Joe Biden for opening the border. And I think that's a major component of this. I think the second component is really the embracing of these sanctuary cities uh, policies and these Democrat-run cities and the benefits Democrats are trying to give to illegal immigrants when they arrive here. There used to be this consensus, even as, a, you know, a, under Barack Obama's presidency, that you can't be incentivizing people to come and making this dangerous journey by providing benefits, by signaling that they could stay, because it actually endangers people making this journey. Biden has abandoned that consensus. Democrats have completely abandoned it now across the country. So there's this pull factor of all these benefits, these sanctuary city policies, combined with this message from the Biden administration by as they you know roll back these policies that worked, saying the border's open. So that's really contributing to this. And then the third factor is the cartels along the border have always been there, but they seize every opportunity. And Biden has just handed them a massive one. He's handed them a massive crisis that they can use to profit. So there are these really evil, despicable cartels that are profiting off of, off of all this death and destruction. And Biden's decided to turn his back and look the other way while this is going on. That's exactly right. Folks, he is, again, Rapid Response Director for the GOP. It's Tommy Pichot. Tommy, great job as always. I like that. Get gutaways, and we'll talk to you again. All right, thanks for having me. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round 226 coesed avenue in west warwick they're waiting for you at the coesed inn